You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Election hacking fears rise with an FBI warning. Trident iPhone zero days and the Pegasus tool that exploited them bring scrutiny to lawful intercept vendors. St. Jude Medical disputes allegations that its pacemakers are hackable, and the security sector does some ethical introspection about disclosure. The IoT is beginning to be exploited in DDoS campaigns. Malicious EMV cards are implicated in Thailand's ATM skimming crime wave. And angry birds join Pokemon in the Enterprise penalty box. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, August 30th, 2016. The FBI two weeks ago quietly issued an alert to warn various concerned parties that an unknown actor was targeting state election systems. Yahoo News learned of the warning and broke the story yesterday. In essence, foreign hackers last month penetrated two election databases by consensus in Illinois and Arizona. And for foreign hackers, most observers are reading Russian intelligence services. The attackers used SQL injection attacks and employed commonly available off-the-shelf tools, including SQL Map, DIR Buster, and Acunetics. The Multi-State Information Sharing and Analysis Center, MSISAC, has also warned of incidents involving state election services. ThreatConnect told Yahoo News that at least one of the IP addresses implicated in the attacks has appeared before in Russian criminal hacking fora. Wired reports that sources inside the U.S. intelligence community have, on background, attributed the attacks to Russian intelligence services. Offering some useful perspective, Motherboard points out that state election databases have not only been hacked before, but the information they contain is often made readily available by state officials themselves. Besides, the number of records effective was relatively small, about 200,000 in Illinois, reports say, and data were simply exfiltrated, not, as far as is known, destroyed or manipulated. What's troubling is not so much the breach itself, but the foreign involvement and foreign interest, the context provided by other recent hacks of political parties and campaigns, and the fears of data manipulation. The data themselves are not particularly valuable, but the contribution the incidents make toward increasing distrust of U.S. elections would be an information operations coup. St. Jude Medical strongly disputes the pacemaker vulnerabilities disclosed in the course of short-selling by Muddy Waters Capital and MedSec. The device manufacturer says the exploits, as described, aren't possible. Several observers find things to dispute in both Muddy Waters' charges and St. Jude's rebuttal, but the disclosure of vulnerabilities in the cause of shorting a stock hasn't generally met with much approval. We spoke with the University of Maryland's Ben Yellen about the implications of this turn to stock speculation for the security industry, and we'll hear from him after the break. And of course, the disclosure of allegedly serious and exploitable pacemaker bugs has contributed to increased concerns about life-threatening IoT hacks. Researchers from Level 3 Communications describe another risk in the Internet of Things, the growing possibility and likelihood of IoT-based distributed denial-of-service campaigns. The company has been working with Flashpoint to track the rise of DDoS botnets exploiting IoT devices. Criminal groups, including Lizard Squad and Poodle Core, are investing in IoT malware, and a large fraction of the bots observed engaging in these attacks are located in Taiwan, Colombia, and Brazil. The Ripper ATM malware FireEye found in Thailand appears to use a rogue EMV chip. A specially crafted and malicious chipped card may have been used to introduce the skimming malware into the ATMs. 
Criminals are believed to have stolen roughly $378,000 from ATMs in Thailand last week. Senior executives represent a vulnerable attack surface at their own companies. We spoke with Dan Lorman, chief security officer at Security Mentor, about preventing C-suite fraud. The phishing attacks, you know, the links, the uh, different ways people get you to click and, and, you know, download malware or go to bad sites or give information up. You know, spear phishing was kind of the 2.0, uh, where you've had, you know, a little bit more targeted. They know a little bit more about you, maybe done some research. And then we've kind of gone to a new level now lately. Uh, I call, you know, this industry is calling whaling now, going after the big fish, if you will. Um, that involves you know, large sums of money. It may or may not involve uh, clicking on links. It may just be, I mean, the goal of the bad guys is to build your trust and then get you to take actions, whether that be transfer money, whether that be give them information, which they can then, you know, use. Whaling is really fraud uh, that committed against businesses and it's really rampant right now. And so t- take me through the process. I'm someone, you know, sitting in my office. Maybe I'm a, someone in, on the financial side of the business. And uh, how are these people going to target me? First of all, their goal is to, is to get your trust and to build that trust. And we've seen a wide variety of ways they do that. They get to know you or they come in as a customer. Um, more likely, they're, they're building a relationship. Um, so they're getting background. They're trying to learn about you, your likes. And, and they really are going after, first of all, they're targeting, it could be a CEO in a company, a COO, or someone who has authority to make transfers, wire transfers, that kind of a thing. After they built up the trust, maybe they're just a kind of a normal relationship, maybe doing different types of things for weeks or months. Um, usually something out of the ordinary happens. Um, for example, with, there's been a case where they, they actually built a relationship up with an accountant and then they were able to get the information about the CEO. Um, he actually was on a, a trip, a vacation. Um, they compromised the CEO's personal account and via not via normal channels, an email came into the accountant saying, hey, um, I'm, I'm on you know, this trip, I'm, I'm out. Um, I believe it was fishing, but you know, I'm on this, I'm out of, can't, can't, uh, can't process this. I'll get you the paperwork tomorrow kind of thing, but please uh, transfer these, uh, this information to this partner. Um, it was a, a block of social security numbers and names. It was a file. It wasn't necessarily just a financial transfer, but um, the person thought this was legitimate. It thought it was from the CEO. The person was gone that day. Um, it, you know, they had a relationship with this other person that they knew of, so it seemed like it made sense, although it was out of the ordinary. They went ahead and did the transfer, and they only really uncovered it later when um, fraudulent IRS tax returns were coming in, and they traced it back to the fact that this individual had given up that sensitive uh, information on their clients. What are the things that people can can do to protect themselves? How, how do we uh, defend against these sort of attacks? You know, I think people need to be trained. They need to know what the processes are. They need to be retrained. They need to understand the threat environment that's always changing. The bad guys are always adjusting their techniques to try and get in. And then lastly, I think you really need to have executives that understand and have executive buy-in. I mean, getting that executive buy-in overlaying this uh, they need to understand this is a really serious issue. And they can't wait till the horses get out of the barn before they, you know, fix the ho- the, the barn door. I mean, it, it's um, it's too late at that point. That's Dan Lorman from Security Mentor.
In Australia, you can bring your own device to work, but you'd better not bring your own birds, if the trend watchers at Mobile Iron are to be believed. At least not if the birds are ill-tempered. Angry Birds is the most commonly blacklisted app in the lucky country. This kind of makes sense to us. If you think of emus or cassowaries, we wouldn't want them around the shop either. Although the geese around the Cyberwire World Headquarters fancying themselves little velociraptors, too. Niantic Labs, the wildly successful if harried purveyors of Pokemon Go, earlier this month threatened players who downloaded unauthorized apps that enabled cheating with a lifetime ban. But they're relenting a bit. If you didn't really know what you were doing was wrong, you downloading cheaters, Niantic will overlook it just this once. But if you do it again, no Pikachu for you. Ever. Got that? Hope so. And finally, France's education minister wants Pokemon Go out of the schools, for a host of good reasons, not the least of which is the sensible desire to keep dodgy outsiders away from the students. At least the rare Pokemon should stay away, the minister says, thereby reducing what the lawyers would call an attractive nuisance. As always, there are collateral consequences, and we'd like to point out some of them to our many younger French listeners. Nicolas, Clotaire, Alceste, Louisette. You're on notice. When your homework's missing, the excuse, Tiens, les charmandres, Laurent, du manger, is no longer going to fly. So, sois sage, no copain. Do you know our podcast is actually really big in France? Well, it used to be anyway. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. Joining me is Ben Yellen. He's from the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Ben, I wanted to follow up with you on this story about uh, Muddy Waters Capital and these medical devices, uh, the, the, the short selling of stocks. Uh, what is your take on this? Well, I think we have both legal and ethical problems here. I'll start with the legal problems. The hacking itself is actually not illegal. The U.S. Copyright Office last year approved an exception to the relevant copyright laws that says that hackers, if they are acting in good faith, can attempt to uh, discover the security flaws in medical devices. That exception has been in place since last October. 
And in terms of uh, MedSec emailing this information to the investment firm, so far there's no illegal activity in that. The SEC uh, may look into this issue, uh, but it's certainly not something like insider trading, at least in uh, the definition as we understand it. You use the word good faith. I mean, I think uh, people would question uh, good faith uh, motivations here. Absolutely. I mean, I think you certainly question good faith when it seems that the purpose of discovering this flaw was to enter into some sort of financial arrangement where the investment firm is shorting the stock and MedSec itself is, is by benefiting financially. MedSec would argue that they have acted in good faith, that they are trying to uh, have the market correct for St. Jude's failure in, uh, in securing the product. But again, that presents major ethical issues. And, and I think that there might be a decent argument that the good faith standard here has not been met. So where do you think this will go from here? I think the SEC will look at, from a from a market perspective, whether this is something that will be legal. I think this is such a novel question that they just haven't had a chance to look at it yet. Uh, in terms of uh, whether the hacking will continue, I think that's the biggest potential for trouble. If cybersecurity organizations see that they can turn a profit by discovering information and, and essentially selling it to investment firms, they would have incentive to continue doing that. And by doing that, it creates a significant risk. I mean, now you have uh, the potential that hackers or bad actors will use these vulnerabilities to uh, to try and hack into these medical devices. And obviously, when we're talking about pacemakers, that can have extremely serious consequences. I mean, you and I were talking before we came on here about what if somebody did some sort of ransomware attack and demanded, you know, a million dollars or I will uh, use my hacking capability to, to shut down your pacemaker. I think that has very, very dangerous implications. All right. We'll keep an eye on it. Ben Yellen, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dave. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Hi, everybody. It's Maria Varmazas here, your host over at T-Minus Space Daily, and sometimes a guest on Hacking Humans, too. We here at N2K CyberWire work hard to bring you concise, intelligence-driven news and commentary, and we'd like to know how we're doing. Please take a few minutes to complete our audience survey and share your feedback to help us continue to grow and meet your needs. Visit cyberwire.com slash survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey 
to get started. Thanks so much for your input as we reach for the stars. It means the universe to us. And now a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. 